Blog Talk Radio. Interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is the Carrie Edelman Show. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Carrie Edelman Show. I am so excited tonight as we have the guitarist and backup vocalist Nuke coming on from the hard rock metal band Motograder. So these guys have a new amazing album that's going to be released on August 11th titled Desolation. So we're going to promote that tonight and do a really cool interview with their musical background and journey to how they got to where they are today. So before I bring them on, I'm going to do an introduction for the band. And I also just want to introduce any new people tuning in tonight to my show. Um, I created this show about five to six years ago. I really wanted to create a supportive forum to bring people on in the entertainment industry. I primarily interview national bands and artists to support them and help them spread their name. Some of the bands I've had on my show include Tremonti, Trivium, Sick Puppies, uh, Dead was recently on, A Killer's Confession. So please support these guys, support the bands, and uh, let's get their name out there and spread the word. Um, A little bit about my background. Uh, My background is in psychology, um, but I always throw out there, but my show is purely meant for entertainment purposes, but I am going to take everyone on a really cool journey. I don't ask any cookie-cutter questions. We're really going to learn some interesting things about this band and their background. So if you're tuning in tonight, create a Blog Talk Radio account by going to blogtalkradio.com, and if you want to call in, the number is 805-243-1320. So let's do a nice introduction for Motograder, and then we're going to bring Nuke on. So this band has a really interesting history. I mean, they formed basically about over two decades ago in 1995. And uh, to me personally, from all the research I did, they truly demonstrate, despite some lineup changes along the way and some hiatuses that they've had, what dedication, persistence, and perseverance is all about when it it comes to uh, being a very successful national band as these guys are. Um, They're widely known for covering themselves in tribal body art, but uh, their musicianship is exceptional, especially their talent. It's displayed in not just this hard rock alternative sound where they definitely have some grittiness and darkness to it, but they really have a lot of melody. And that was something that I really enjoyed with this new album that they have coming out. So they're currently signed to the EMP label group, which is uh, Megadeth bassist David Elfson's label. And um, Desolation, as I said, is going to be coming out. The new single that they have released off of this album is Dorian and it's doing phenomenal. It's already hit in the top 30 billboard rock indicator charts. So as I said, pick up a copy of their album desolation and be sure to also check them out on tour this fall when they do the uh, desolation tour. And finally, a special thanks once again to Ed Bunker for um, helping me book bands for the show and support the people that he um, has in no problem marketing. So let's bring uh, Nuke on. Hey, Nuke, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Good, good. Thank you for joining me tonight. Cool, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you a little bit. Uh, yeah, it was a little staticky, but I think you sound okay. Okay, cool. cool. Just let me know. I might have to change phones or whatever, so. Okay, okay. Yeah, I hear a little, I hear a little um, stuff in the background, but... <laughs> Okay. You there? Uh, there shouldn't okay. be. I'm kind of in, alone in a room, so maybe it's good. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay, so um, again, thanks for joining me tonight. I'm really excited to bring you on, do the interview, and 
promote the new album that is uh, going to be coming out on August 11th. So um, where, where are you currently residing? Are you in California? Yes, I live on the, uh, on the beautiful central coast of California, um, kind of right in between Los Angeles and San Francisco. Nice, very nice. Yeah, San Luis Obispo, Pismo Beach area. Cool. Is that where you're originally from? Yeah, born and raised, basically. Okay, okay, nice. Yeah. So let's start out from the beginning. Have you ever been to the Central Coast at all? I was to, oh gosh, it's been years, but I went out to Pasadena and Beverly Hills because I have some family out there um, several years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Definitely, definitely a nice area. Um, so tell me and a little where, bit about where, yourself. Where, oh, go ahead. Do you mind asking where, where me asking where you, this call is going to or coming from? <laughs> yeah, I'm actually on the East Coast. Okay. The, the, the site that I work with must be, like, on the West Coast because I know the number you're calling into is a California, you know what I mean, call right. number, but I'm actually on the East Coast okay. in kind of the tri-state area of New Jersey, um, Pennsylvania, and New York. Oh, cool. Yeah. And that's where you're from originally? Yes. Cool. (laughs) Yes. So, um... Um, Who's doing the interview? (laughs) I know. Yeah, I know. I was going to say that, Nuka. Oh, this is very interesting. (laughs) Sorry about that. That's cool. No, that's cool. Again, I want it to be informal. I want you to feel comfortable so it can just be really laid back and, uh, yeah. So, cool. All right. So, let's, um... You know, tell me about yourself a little bit. You grew up in California, so tell me about yourself as a kid growing up. You know, pull in some interesting stuff. You know, were you were you a surfer? You know, what were some things you liked to do when you were younger? Well, I guess uh, I first basically started out as a skateboarder. Um, okay. In Avila Beach, and that was I was kind of my first passion. Uh, something that I was good at um, and I I applied myself to. And um, that kind of progressed into surfing, which was was basically everyone's expectation. You know, I was going to grow up and be like the next surfer out of, you know, Avila Beach or the Central Coast. Wow, did you... um, Real quick, not to interrupt, but to interrupt real quick, did you do um, competitions and stuff? Yeah, I was just beginning to compete and and get sponsorships and was surfing with with what is now a local legend, a a guy by the name of Van Carraza, who is a fantastic surfer, and um, I was kind of his little protege. Um, But that kind of took a... A, a turn as soon as um, you know. I'd always been into music. My father was a guitar player, and um, and I had dabbled. I had started out on drums and played a little bit of guitar, but uh, most of my time was spent in the water until uh, I heard Randy Rhodes, and that was it. <laughs> the uh, you know. Uh, Right. The guitar came out of the closet, and you know everything was kind of set in stone from from that moment forward, basically. <laughs> so how how old were you about at that time where you made this you know decision that you were going to really commit to music and guitar? 
You know, I guess I was probably about 14. Okay. And um, I, I was fortunate enough, you know, I, I guess I didn't see it as an advantage back then, but <clears throat> before I was able to drive, I I lived um, kind of up on top of a mountain, on top of Perfumo Canyon. And uh, <clears throat> and so... <laughs> So I it was a bit isolated up there, you know. I didn't, you know, there weren't neighbors to go hang out with. It was just kind of the top of a mountain and um and I used to just sit in my room for hours and play guitar and um that's you know, kind of how it all worked out. That's how it started. Uh it didn't take long for me to to get to get good. <laughs> and, wow. You know, that's it was like coming out of the woodshed and um, yeah, and my, I guess there, my musical career, you know, basically started there. Okay, and let's just, as you're talking about that, so, you know, like you said, you're making this transition. Was was there anyone in your family that really wanted to push you to go that route of potentially, you know, becoming a pro surfer, or people just were kind of, you know, laid back and wanted you to do what was going to make you happy? Well, that's an interesting question, Um because I can remember moving um, from my mother's uh, in with my father. And it was during that time where um, my whole, basically, sense of self changed um, <clears throat> from, you know, my sense of fashion. I started growing my hair long and, you know, wearing you know, bandanas around my my legs right. and stuff. And I, I can remember coming back to Avila and <clears throat> people being shocked and uh, and pretty unhappy about it, uh, about my new decision. <laughs> um, so, you know, maybe surfing was more of a sure bet, but I'm, I'm sure glad that I, I stuck with music. Nice. And if you don't mind me asking, was there a reason you transitioned from living with your mom to your dad? Uh, uh, what was the transition like from going from my mom's house to my father's house? Oh, no, no. The reason that you, like, what was the reason at that time that you decided, I guess, I'm, I'm assuming your parents were separated or? Yeah. Um, okay. You, you know, I thought, I, I, <laughs> It was more of a um, a chance, I, I, I think, for structure and okay. <clears throat> and for music. You know, my my father is still a, a working professional musician, and nice and uh, <clears throat> a chance for me to get away from you know kind of some of the madness that was going on over across the tracks. <laughs> gotcha. Um, gotcha. Without getting too like. Sure. You know, deeply sure. involved in that, but yeah. Okay. And do you um do you have any brothers or sisters? I do. Uh, I have um I have three sisters. Um, wow. Two of which I know, and one I have never met. Okay. Um, okay. So I have a younger sister, um, a maternal sister from my mom, and then I have a. Um, a sister from my dad who's uh, didn't meet till I was eighteen. I guess. Um, okay. She she's a couple. She's about three months 
younger than me. Okay. Okay. So, and then he wouldn't. Any of my your dad was. Or a, any... He was kind of a baby maker. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. And what did your he sisters was, you know, do? He was right? young and, uh, and right. you know, whatever. Right. Um, and are any of your sisters involved in entertainment, or what? Do, any interesting things that they do for a living? No, they're both just no. moms. Yeah. Okay. Nice. But nice. they're they're both cool. I love them both. So. That's great. That's great. So, what is your what is your dad? If you don't mind asking, what does he specifically do with music? I mean, is he mostly a performer? Does he do, you know, production or mixing or anything? No, he's he's a he's a guitar player, singer, actually. Okay. And um, <clears throat> you know, he's been doing it for. For a long time, um, he he found success as a, at an early age with a, with a surf band actually <clears throat> um, out of the Central Coast, so a band uh, by the name of the Sentinels, and they okay. were they were kind of quite the rage back then. Uh, they did I think they did three or four albums. They did a live album in Vegas, and um, yeah, you know. Uh, the whole surf thing. He wrote uh, a, a, a fairly big hit song called Latina. You'll have to check okay. it out if you get a chance. Yeah. It's just like that classic surf stuff. And then, you know, you can see my nice. dad there with his little Stratocaster. Oh, boy, I wish I had that guitar now. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, no, I'll definitely check that out. That sounds really interesting. Okay, so like you said, it was kind of in your blood. Your dad definitely played an influential role in um, inspiring you, you know, to get into it. So, you know, what were you like in school? So I'm assuming that you're getting into music, like you said, you're in your kind of mid-teens. Um, and did you did you go on after high school to college or no, just kind of decided you're going to basically oh, pursue music? Oh, absolutely not. Um, oh, okay. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was, school was rough for me. Okay. Um, it you know, I butted heads, and uh, right right from the beginning, you know, uh, right from junior high, you know, I wanted to play basketball, but, you know, I, I had a real problem with authority, and uh, and, okay. and I just, um, I, I had a real tough time at school. Um, and then once it was time to, once I guess I was, once I was about 16, it was time to kind of leave the nest. I was out of my dad's, back at my mom's, and it was time to go try to fend for myself. Okay. So and what did that's you... what I did, and I was lucky to be able to play by that time professionally. Wow. So, so into the cover circuit I went. <laughs> No, and great. that was a real that was a real eye opener, you know. Um in end up end of itself. <laughs> what was Some I guess stories. what was the eye opener about about getting into the kind of the cover part of the industry? Well, just kind of, you know, being part of the adult world and the nightclub scene as a mm-hmm. you know, uh a young man. <laughs> And, yeah, that's um, true. How did they how did they let you in when you were if you were only sixteen? That is a good yeah. That is interesting. You know, I guess there's certain laws. Maybe maybe um, 
was lucky to grow up in California, but um, right. as long as I didn't drink and as right. long as I, you know, went outside on the breaks, I was good. Good. So, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I, I, what made you, do you think that, like, I'm sure being that young, and, and how old were these guys that you were working with? Oh, I'm sure, um, let's see. They were all probably in their early 30s, you know, late 20s. Okay, wow. I would say. Right, right. Okay, so you started so, yeah, out doing yeah, there it was, the nightclub scene, and, you know, I'd get to go hang out. You know, my, my dad would be, you know, he would come by when he wasn't playing, and he'd get up and on stage, and we'd jam, and... um yeah, there I was. It was almost kind of my first, like, taste of, you taste. know, yeah. what life and, was going to be like. <laughs> and did you and did you like that? I mean, was it something that was just alluring to you, exciting, or were there any reservations yeah. you had? I, I took right to it. You know, I loved it. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I, I liked hanging out after hours and being the life of the party and, um, uh, you know, I guess it's a good thing I never really had an affinity. I never had a taste for alcohol so much. Um, so I didn't get in trouble there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was, you know, those were some pretty good times, you know, the formative years. <laughs> right, right. So how long did you do the cover scene for before you started to, you know, get involved in in original music? That's a great question. Um I I got into original music right a, right around the same time. Okay. Um so while I was learning, you know, all the classics basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I was dabbling in writing, and um, and so I guess I played off and on in cover bands for maybe maybe two years, maybe till I was eighteen, maybe a little less, and then I was just um, playing my own material after that. Okay. And just if you did, did working. you do any interesting? <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's so funny you said that. That was the next question I was going to ask. Did you do any interesting, you know, jobs while you were, you know, writing and getting yourself ready to hopefully eventually have a, you know, career as an artist, you know, doing original music? What were you doing on the side for work? You know, I, pretty much everything: painting, construction. I, I worked in mm-hmm. a upholstery shop for a while. That was nice. interesting. Um, <laughs> I mean, you name it, I you know, I did it. Just menial stuff. I worked in restaurants, uh, you know, worked as a busboy and a waiter and washed dishes, whatever I could do to just, you know, pay, sure. pay my rent, basically. Just the bare minimum. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Right. The yeah. starving musician thing, you know. Right. So I guess how many original bands, like just – you know, give us a little bit of history on your original bands, and then we'll start delving into um, Moto Grader because it's uh, that was definitely okay. an interesting well, history. So go ahead. You know, I guess the first real original band I was in um, 
was a band called Intrinsic. And they were actually signed at the time to Relativity Records, and they um, were kind of a college band, college metal band out of uh, San Luis Obispo that enjoyed some success. And um, and that was, I did a, an EP with them, and that was my first kind of recording experience. And then right around that time, I got hit by the funk bug. Oh, okay. Um, I remember seeing the Red Hot Chili Peppers live mm-hmm. for the first time in, at the Fillmore in San Francisco, and it definitely <laughs> changed my life. Um, seeing a young John Frusciani and Flea just, whew, just yeah. tearing into it, right. you know, and uh, mm-hmm. for something, for some reason, that just resonated with me. I just wanted to improvise and play funk, and just that's all I wanted to do. So I had to quit Intrinsic and try to start another band. I think I was in a band called Squibbage for a while, and I actually ended nice. up trying out for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, really? A couple years later, yeah. Uh, which is a great story in of it and of itself as well. But uh, so, anyways, I kind of went off in the funk trip for a while and and did that, and then uh, got back into metal and did that, and then you know I it, it, that was a tough go trying to find all the pieces. I can remember assembling what I thought was an all-star lineup on the Central Coast. We had a great drummer, fantastic bass player, and an mm-hmm. okay singer, you know, and I right. thought we had what it took. I thought we were going to make it. I thought we were going to be the next Pantera. <laughs> but we weren't, you know. And um, right. that was frustrating to think, well, you know, I've, I've kind of thrown all my chips in, you know, I have all my, you know, eggs in this basket, and it's just, you know, it's not working out yet. I'm still not you know, where I think I should be or whatever. Frustrating. Right, right. And where were you at, you think, um, now, timeline-wise, as we're talking about, you know, moving out, like you said, of the cover scene, doing some metal stuff, getting into the funk stuff, and now you're transitioning back into the metal. You know, how many years do you think this was, you know, into um, the career that you're, you know, choosing to go for? Well, enough to where it's like, Uh-oh. you know, it's not, it's, where it's starting to be like, well, what am I doing? You know, right. do I, should I, right. you know, I, like, I, I can't, I, I don't know if there, I guess maybe there was a time when it was just like, wow, I'm just depressed. This isn't going to happen. Aww. You know, right. just, whoa. Um, but and how do you, throughout those, I guess, throughout those ups and downs and the, and the depression and whatnot and dealing with that. The one thing that's always saved me is being able to just have a guitar in my hand and create mm-hmm. something that is will gives back. That what you put in, you get back, and um, <clears throat> that's always kind of pulled me through. So, um, with you know, seeing that that maybe it wasn't going to be, I wasn't going to be maybe some sort of rousing success. I knew that I would probably be happy just if I was playing in clubs for the rest of my life, just like my dad. You know what I mean? Okay. At least mm-hmm. I would be playing music, and at least I wouldn't be just cashing it in, basically giving up. Right. 
Right. So that makes sense. Skip along a few years, and I'm playing in a. <laughs> I'm playing back in the, a club band. Okay. And I get a call from my old singer from Intrinsic, a guy okay. by the name of Chris Benz. And, uh, okay. and Chris and I had played together. I, I was in a, another original band that was we, – we came close to success, actually. I kind of forgot. I was in a band called Curiosity Killed the Cop. Not hmm, a great name. Not a great name. Right. The local. We did not. Uh, it's, it's funny because that's a whole other story in and of itself. And uh, um, that was almost like a, a half of a band and half of a gang almost. And uh, okay. a couple of guys ended up going to jail and prison. Oh, and, God. Right, wow. but during that time, I I played with Chris, and Chris was in a new band. He had transitioned from Intrinsic to a band called Motograder in Santa Barbara, and we mm-hmm. played a couple shows with him. And this was before Motograder had a had a guitarist. It was just a sampler and this weird instrument and these drums. Yeah, and, real quick. And Chris, bring have you heard now. any of that old Motograder stuff at all? I didn't know. I didn't hear the old, old stuff, but I did want to, as you're talking about this moto grader, and of course, as I did my research, I found out that, that the band was named after, you know, this, this instrument that Bruce Grader Butler invented with these cables and gears. And, you know, I was fascinated. So just, you know, as you're pulling this in, tell us a little bit about this instrument. And, and my curious question, too, is did he ever, like, trademark this thing? Does, has anyone tried to replicate it? So, you know, share with us a little bit of information about that, because I think that's you're, so You're unique. full of, like, great questions. <laughs> Thank you. Um, oh, Thank so, you. yeah, we'll I'll tell to... you about yeah. Bruce, right. and I'll tell you about the greater, and um, and about this weird instrument. You know, when, yeah. when Bruce and Joey came out here from California, I guess Bruce Bruce came first and then called Joey. They were friends, skate friends from Austin. They grew up in Texas. Okay. And, you know, you know, always dreamed of, you know, being in a band and moving out to California and doing the whole thing. And, well, Bruce, he trekked out here and ended up in Santa Barbara and told Joey, you know, come on out. Joey followed suit, and they started this weird noise project. First with just drums, and then it was drums and moto grader, and then they added a dude that kind of rapped, and then they added Chris B or Chris Benz, mm-hmm. and um, and I can remember, you know, when I first saw them, they were they were okay. They had this kind of tribal thing going. They were real loose and you know primitive and cool. <laughs> And, you know, right. playing with them, I, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was all right. And then I remember the second time I saw them, they were way better. And they had all, they were doing a raffle, and they had they had these little motivator stickers, these little tiny black and white stickers wrapped with twine. And they, nice. you know, it was just a cool event, right? Um, and, um, 
and then it wasn't too long after that that, you know, they kept plugging away. Our band kind of all went to jail, and uh, I got a call from Chris that, you know, Motivator was signed, and did I want to try out. And this was, was this when they were signed to, because I know that they were, you know, they did the two EPs, they did the Hugh Chardon, and then Indie, they were on Sever Records, and then I guess they got released from that, and then they went to No Name Electra. Was, that was around the time you joined, right? I came in right when the getting was good. <laughs> okay. Nice. Um, so what, what year is that around at this point? Is it 2002, 2003? This is right, like, early, late 2002, early 2003. Okay. And, you know, here I was signed, you know. Here I, you know, my dream had, like, kind of fallen right in my lap. That's great. And I, I can remember, like, trying to learn all the songs really quick, and then, you know, within two days I was showcasing for one of the biggest producers in the world, this guy, Garth uh, Richardson, who, I mean, he did the first Rage Against the Machine album. You know, he's, wow. he's a legendary <laughs> producer, right. and here I am. You know, I'm used to playing, you know, a bar circuit, Harry's Nightclub, you know, and Beach Bar. I'm, you know, and here hey, I am trying hey. to. Here I am, you know, and I, so we I, we do this thing, and then we head off to Canada to start making this record. Well, we get to Canada, and you know, we kind of go through all the songs that the band had already written. This is without mm-hmm. me. Okay. You know, the really primal kind of, you know, pile driver, pile driver, you know. <laughs> That's right, right. right. You know, it's kind of half rap, kind of half death metal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was weird. There was a lot of pressure. Um, I, and it, it didn't take too long to, to realize that, you know, those songs really weren't going to, weren't going to cut it for a major right. league album. A guy that had just finished doing Chevelle, he did Mud Mud Vein's wow. first album. Right. You know, these are this is these are accomplished yeah. bands, and here I am in a band that's like got this really primitive instrument. It's just you know, it's <laughs> <laughs> we were uh, we had a lot to learn, and we had um, mm-hmm. we were in for a rude awakening. You know, we. There was a lot of money being put into the band, and um, all of a sudden we were supposed to just start making a record. And so, boy, everybody kind of tightened up considerably. <laughs> Things went from fun to stressful in a hurry. Right. Um, and that was interesting because then we, we had to fire our first singer, Zach, uh, right in the middle okay. of trying to do this record with Garth. And so it it became really down to the wire. We were about ready to be dropped from the label and um we all we'd been sent back, you know, from Canada. Garth ended up keeping forty thousand dollars of our money. Oh, we gosh. didn't get our damn demo tapes. We were all of a sudden we were back in the no name offices bugging their whole staff trying to look for singers on 
you know, MySpace. <laughs> right, right. No, wait, right, and I mean, it is, well, it's desperation really time. Go what ahead. happens, um, just, to, just to help me with the transition, so you're with this guy, Garth, the, you know, this amazing producer, and what happened, though, that they kind of let you go, and they didn't give you the demos, and they kept all the money, and what, like, what happened with that? Well, we maybe I maybe I missed it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's been we had, I have a full-time basically job given Garth. We had basically given Garth like forty thousand of the. We paid him basically half up front, right? Of his recording budget for the record, we gave him forty grand. Right. And he took it, and you know, back then the dollar was two for one. You know, uh, American dollars that was eighty. You know, thousand dollars right. in Canadian. Wow. So he he immediately bought a beautiful house. I mean, we helped him move over there. It was just, <laughs> it was a bad scene, basically. All wow. of a sudden, we were we were getting the boot. You know, we tried with Zach, it didn't work, and then all of a sudden, we were heading home. You know, that was it. <laughs> okay. So wow. we were we were looking over our shoulder. Everything was everybody's. Spirits were low, and I can remember being in the no, the offices of No Name, and Steve Richards' brother Gary came up to me with a phone number, and he said, "Hey, this is your guy. Call this guy. I heard great stuff about him." Okay. So we called Ivan Moody, and mm-hmm. the rest is yep. history, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. So that was a. Do you imagine how random is that? You know, like yeah, does, is the universe can. Totally working, like I know. Was he has, like? You know, I do. I really, I really do believe that. Just you know, sometimes things just happen for a reason. You know, for whatever reason, it didn't work out with Garth, and you guys come home, and then this pops up. You know, it's like that one door closes, one door opens type of. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's weird, but things do happen for a reason. I really do believe. Right, that. it's like the universe, or like the laws of attraction. Like he was attracting, he was getting ready to quit the music industry and head back wow. to Denver and raise his daughter <laughs> and we and he got a call from us and you know now I think about where Ivan is you know he's man right so what, I a, right. Uh, what a career you know what a voice right right yeah. unbelievable so okay yeah, so talk I'm about so him. proud of the fact that we made our first records together you know that's great that's great. So Our first about, record was together. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us about Ivan coming in and just, you know, some of the history with that. And then we'll, you know, tell us about some hiatuses. I know you guys went on a hiatus here and there and okay. some lineup changes. Yeah, share that, and then we'll start getting into uh, Desolation. I'll break it down like a fat sister in a Kmart lawn chair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go for uh, it. Here I'm laughing at my own jokes terrible. <laughs> um so Ivan, you know, here comes Ivan and um and I you know, it was funny because he he comes into the office, we meet him, we we play him the demo as we're driving up to Steve's house. Steve Richards is if you don't know or for those of you who are listening who are wondering who Steve is, he's the guy that signed Slipknot and was Slipknot's, you know, wow. the executive producer of the first two Slipknot records, you know. Okay. Um, 
And so this is kind of a legendary guy. Um, and we're going up to his house in Bel Air, and it's like, you know, it's Adam Sandler's old house. It's like, you know, the pool <laughs> with the rock speakers and the whole thing. And, you know, we're driving up there, and I, I forget to tell Ivan that, you know, like right before we know, we're going in the door and Steve's answering the door, I forget to tell Ivan that Steve has this brain tumor, right? And so oh, he talked, you know? Steve talked like um, oh, wow. like he had a brain tumor. <laughs> okay. And so he came out. Ivan almost started making fun of him. He thought he was oh, no. getting, right? He thought he was getting poked in the ribs a little bit. So he's looking at me, and he's just about ready to get his little smart-ass clip, and I, like, grabbed his leg. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I explained to him what was up. That was kind of... That was just a, a funny little story of when I first, very first met Ivan. That's crazy. Yeah. So, so you meet Steve, and Ivan's there, and everything's starting to come to fruition. We put together our first two songs, um, which became Down mm-hmm. and Red. Okay. Um, if I'm... If I'm not mistaken, it was those two songs. And I can remember oh, working in his little... little um, suffocate. What's that? I checked, out, I checked out Suffocate, which is a great song. Was Suffocate one oh, of them, too, you. or no? What's that? Was Suffocate one of the songs, too, or no? That was separate. Suffocate was a song that came together um, when we moved into the house in Topanga Canyon. Okay. When we had started... Okay. We had first we had to kind of show the record company what we could do with our new singer, and as soon gotcha. as they heard what we were concocting, they were all in, and we had a new producer come in, and we had the budget back, and we were set up in a house in Topanga Canyon, and we nice. were recording. <laughs> all this gear was brought in, and it was like the full. You know, there was a swimming pool. It was it was pretty cool. It's great. So yeah, it was the whole. It was the whole, and it, it was still. I still wasn't really happy. I still was just really stressed out. You know, I didn't. Throughout all this, it was just there was so much inner doubt. You know, um, whether was, or not. What was still contributing to that? You know, being so that you're I, you in know, this amazing you wanted, house. I think it's just. That, it's insecurity, and that just stems from, mm-hmm. you know, your childhood and, sure. um, you know, be, you know, being addicted to substances or a substance or whatever, and that adds to the whole thing. And um, and you know, not not having the total confidence, you know, just being kind of on my own. All, all of a sudden, it was my job to like write the record, <laughs> and wow. I was the new guy and. Uh, and so that was a that was a lot heaped a lot onto my plate, and and yeah. so I I I pulled it off, but um, mm-hmm. that was a that was a tough time in my life too. I you know um, a few years before that, you know, my fiance had I had passed away, and so oh I gosh, still wasn't I'm sorry um, completely. You know, I guess I'm still sure. not over that, but. Um, I was having a hard time 
emotionally and um and uh, you know I was struggling with addiction at that time and uh and so anyways the record was made and um and it's funny because <clears throat> there's a story behind this because while the music for the record was all laid down up in Topanga Canyon the vocals weren't done and Ivan was having a miserable time writing he he just had block it was his first album he was going through the same doubt that I wow. was I'm sure you know all of this was on him it was his first it was his chance here he was he was signed you know the the red light was on you have to produce you know and he he boy it did I can remember packing my stuff up from Topanga Canyon and thinking, "Well, that's it. Mm-hmm. We didn't, we didn't make the record. It, there's no vocals. It's, we failed, you know." But then we had Jimbo, our producer, and this is what he did, <laughs> which was fantastic. He was cool, and also he he got in trouble for this, by the way. But he was Uh-oh. due to start mixing the Rush. In Rio DVD, so he they had put him in Suge Knight Studios down in uh, North Hollywood, a place called Track Record Studios. Suge used okay. to come in there all the time. That's where Tupac and that's where Dre and all those guys got down. That was it was a really cool old studio. So before you know it, Ivan and I are in the <laughs> in the studio recording the vocals and writing the vocals for Motograder's record mm-hmm. on Rush's dime. Every time they would come to hear a mix, you know, Getty, like, they'd take all the tapes and switch them and pretend to be working on this oh thing, my. you know. Getty Lee would wow. come in and, you know, Neil Peart would come in. and um, So anyways, Jimbo ended up having to, like, remix that thing that Rush... Um, DVD in another studio, I think, in Canada. But basically, Rush paid for us to finish our vocals and mix the first Motograder record. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, because we were out of money. We were, you know, the budget was kind of run dry by then. <laughs> so right. can you imagine? So there's the universe again, right? Kind right, of. yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the theme I think that's going through this interview now. It's just like you said, this just kind of laws of attraction and just how things work out in the most unusual ways, right? Right, just when you think it's just, it, it's, there is no hope. Um, if you just hold on a little bit longer, you you might uh, mm-hmm. just start to see the light, you know, at the end of the tunnel, mm-hmm. you get up and get that breath. And uh, and once that record was mixed and and put out, I I gotta say, I mean, I, for the first time in my life, I knew that you know I wasn't just what you know another. You weren't spinning your wheels anymore. You knew that now things were right. really good. I wasn't just some bomb, happening. you know, from Avila Beach that right. was never gonna amount to anything. So that right. was pretty cool, and you know. Ozfest cool. and all that beautiful stuff. Yeah. But it was soon thereafter that I was kicked out of the band. <laughs> oh no, it was that. I did. I read that, but why? Why were you kicked out? Oh, what a horrible thing to have happen. 
you know, it's funny because looking back, right. You know, I, I still, you know, I still don't think it was right. You know, and it wasn't okay. right. And if you ask any of the guys in the band, they'll tell you that was the absolutely the worst decision that could have been made at that possible time. You know. Okay. So it's firing me, and I'm not trying to brag about skills or how awesome I am, right. but there was a lot of money being invested in this band, Motograder. And as soon as the head of Electra Records, Sylvia Roan, found out that they had fired the guy that wrote the music for the album, right. that was, you know, that was it. She just, things were kind of coming unraveled. We were too young and it, we were blowing up too fast and okay um and people were just power tripping you know and so i was let go in the middle of ozfest it was the worst nightmare ever horrible oh my gosh thing um and boy did my life take a turn down after that <laughs> <laughs> Whew. I've I felt pretty sorry for myself for a while. Um you know, after after Motorgator fired me then they were they did a couple more tours and were dropped from the label. And was it real quick, Nuke, was it just like some creative differences that you don't have to get into the nitty gritty, but was it just like an interpersonal Dynamic where you guys weren't getting along that led to you departing for a period of time? Well, I think there are several several factors. Just kind of it, it worked itself into the perfect storm, you know. It was right. like scapegoat. Um, I, you know, um, I had, you know, it's funny because uh, Electra Records invested a considerable amount of money into me, um, mm-hmm. and I was a commodity. I mean, I they had sent me to a thirty thousand dollar rehab facility. Wow! <laughs> you know, that's a thousand dollars a day. I was in a beach for thirty days. Okay. And you know, there's another story, right? So right. there's thirty thousand, and then. Before that, they flew me out to Denver and repaired my knee. I had ruptured my knee on stage with my cover band in Cayucas. <laughs> oh. oh, my god! I totally, I, yeah, like, um, tore my meniscus and just, oh, right. just a horrible stage mishap, basically. And so they flew me out to Denver, and they repaired my knee. They, you know, got me into rehab and... and we addressed this addiction thing and, you know, so I, by the time I came out on tour with ministry, I was as strong as I had ever been and, and clear eyed and focused, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and we were kicking some major ass, you know, people's eyes, you could tell, you know, eyebrows were raised. You could see it in the industry, the buzz, mm-hmm. and our singer and our songs. And we kind of stood out a little bit, I thought, you know, and, so we we carried that over into Ozfest, where we were just slaying the dragon every night. You know, it was just mm-hmm. we were killing it. And 
Um, and there, and then, then I was out. I remember uh, we made it to Seattle. I played a, a huge show in Seattle, and and then I was fired. But interestingly, interestingly enough, I uh, before that, in I guess we were in Phoenix. I had um, been hanging out with the guys from Disturbed and the guys mm-hmm. on the main stage, and was making fast friends with. Everyone on the tour, basically, you know. Um, and uh, I can remember Dimebag Daryl and Vince Paul in Dallas came in. They they did Walk with Disturbed. And uh-huh. I can remember just the power of that, you know. And the next day in the morning, I used to get up and get my coffee, and I would talk to David from Disturbed, you know. Hey, what's mm-hmm. up? You know, shoot the shit. Whatever, and this next morning, I was like, hey, David, you know, I I wanted to let you know that I saw everyone set last night. We got to stay, and and I want to tell you that that moment when you guys did walk, it, that was the single, like, heaviest, like, moment of the evening. It was just, you could feel it all the way up on the grass, bro. 50,000 wow. people, you know what I mean? And he's just like, yeah. he looked at me, and he's like, oh, you think so, huh? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, we're doing it again tonight. Why don't you join us? And I'm like, oh what? wow. I'm like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding? You know, like I'm like, you know, I'm jumping out of my skin, of course. Right. So I go back to tell the band, you know, hey, you know, I got invited to go jam with Pantera and Disturbed, and you know, blah blah blah. Yeah. And everybody on the bus is just looking at me like. You know, uh, okay, like they're not enthused. Um, mm-hmm. Especially Ivan. <laughs> really? So I was like, you know, hey, whatever, you know. And I kind of caught the weird vibe, and I, you know, I went. I was just like, whatever. I, I, I went and just, you know, I went off the bus for a minute. I came back, and I was, you know. And I remember everyone's like, hey, grab your shit. We're leaving. We're going to go to the next venue. And I was like, what What? what are you guys like, talking wait, about? I'm I told you playing. that. Yeah, I mean, right. this is good for our band, right? You know? Absolutely. Right? And yeah. they're just like, hey, dude, we're out. So let's go. And I just said, hey, you know what, you guys? Fuck you. It's my birthday. And I'm fucking all ride with Depswa or whatever. I'll see you at the next show. <laughs> well, so that's what I did. And I got to jam, walk with Disturbed and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and Vince Paul. And, and you know, that uh, I was in front of, you know, 50,000 people. It was awesome. Wow. It was my birthday. But in hindsight... I should have known because I was getting big for my britches as far as other people were concerned. Now that the record had been made, Mm -hmm. I was from the main dude while we were making the record, I became the main, you know, one of the very main dudes, you know. I was directly working with the producer, pushing this thing forward, you know. Well, right. after the record was done, I went to rehab, so I became the black sheep, you see. Right. All of a sudden, I had the the, the scrutiny was on me, and, you know, 
Um, it wasn't too long after that that I was I was out. I was on the first thing smoking as my manager. Oh. Boys want you on the first thing smoking. A bus, a plane, a train. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> So there that was. So, right. So now let's um because I definitely want to fit in. You know you can stay. I have I have I booked a lot of time, but I don't want to keep you on all night. You know whatever you're comfortable with, but I definitely want to fit in playing Dorian tonight. I mean it's a great track, and I want to promote that for you guys. You know as well as cool. getting to at least a little bit of um, the new album. So when let's talk a little bit real quick about when does the band kind of I guess you know really go on a hiatus before you come back in and then. Noah comes in and, you know, all the new people start to kind of revamp again. Well, it's interesting because the band took like a year-long hiatus or whatever, and then we were offered to play. um, It was a show, I remember. rock festival. We were offered Mm -hmm. to play this $10,000 for this festival. Can you hear me? Okay, and so what we thought was the reunite reuniting of Motograder, we we met up with Ivan, and I can remember taking this plane over to Missouri and thinking it was all coming back together after you know here we sure. were back together again and it was all going to be awesome. People were interested, blah blah blah. Well, Ivan was playing that same show with his band Five Finger Death Punch. And I can remember okay. being on the plane and him playing me some of the cuts, you know. And he's like, what do you think? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I just told him, I'm like, I, I think it's good. I like it. I, what I wanted to say, I, I didn't finish. You know, it's <laughs> no moto grader, but hey. <laughs> but right. you know what? He ended up going, I figure it was touch and go, whether he was going to come back with us or continue on with this new band. And I think he made the right decision, you know, I mean. Wow, powerhouse! You know, right. last time I saw, right. the last time I saw him, it was um, at the pond in Anaheim, where the where the professional hockey team, the Ducks, play. Okay, okay. It was like seeing Kiss. You know, there was, you know, big risers going up with smoke and like <laughs> just, oh man, a million dollar show basically. You know, that stage is wow. like a million bucks, and. uh it was good to see him, and it's it's you know I Ivan and I have we've buried the hatchet you know and I'm and I'm proud of what he's accomplished and uh and you know he's come to see the the new lineup of Motograder and you know I got you know two firm like thumbs up he's really stoked on our new singer he likes the new material and um it's nice to you know have his blessing because. That's great. He's definitely really part cool. of the whole history. Yeah, isn't that Absolutely. great? Yeah. yeah. No, that's great. Now, so if let's, he's listening, let's do... take us on the road. Take us on. We'll open for Five Finger any day of the week, month, year. Oh, I wish. Hey, believe me, for both you and me, I wish he was listening. <laughs> great. But, um, no, I mean, you guys are going to, I'm sure you're going to have an awesome tour this fall, and I'm curious to hear if you can, you know, reveal any of the um, bands that you're going to be playing with. That would be great. But let's do this. Let's, uh. Let's check out Dorian because it's, a, it's okay. an amazing single. And um, tell you. us a little bit about that song, if you can give any information. I know that 
you know, I read that a lot of your stuff you like to leave open to interpretation, which I'm cool with, and I'm I'm all about that with music. But um, if you can give us any, you know, little bit of history on Dorian, and then we'll uh, check it out. Sure, uh, Dorian is a is a song that we co-wrote with our producer Aru Lester, and mm-hmm. um, he, he's the guy that kind of came up with the, that little that middle part. Um, and that was an interesting experience to kind of co-write um, and let someone into the fold. We were pretty reticent as, as about that, and I know I was. And um, but it, it it turned out really well. I mean, you know, I, I like the groove of the song. I you know I like the production of the song and, and the lyrics. I love, and you know, James is. Um, you know, this is his first record, and he's really putting wow. a stamp on it. You know, he's mm-hmm. putting his best foot forward. Um, and as far as uh, the title and and the content, you know, um, I'm sure you've heard of the the poet and author Oscar Wilde. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, he he wrote this poem or this story, Dorian Gray, right? Yes. Yeah. Are you uh-huh. familiar? So that well, story Dorian... is loosely based on that, like the the getting older, the yes, the decaying, exactly. and uh, mm-hmm. and just ultimately there's no stopping, you know, what's coming basically right. time. <laughs> right. Oh gosh. Yeah. So it's kind of dark. <laughs> Don't put all like, you know? on me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's kind of where it's pulled from. Is that that poem? Yes, and. Um, a little bit more going into Dorian, we were able to record um, a video for this um, for this single at the Ohio State Reformatory where they filmed yeah, Shock Tank Rejection. Mm-hmm. And we are going to get a rough cut of that video tomorrow. So um, I guess the record is released on Friday. And so we, we should be releasing the video... Uh, Maybe on Thursday, <laughs> so that cool. look for that. If anyone's listening, I think it's going to turn out amazing. I'm I am keeping my fingers crossed. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I mean, the setting sounds just yeah, great setting. So I'm all about that stuff. <laughs> but um, yeah. Well, we could talk off there. I can't talk about what I do for a living, but I think you'll find it very interesting. Um, so I, I know. Um, okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll hit you up on Facebook or something, <laughs> private. Yeah, I would, I would but, love um, to talk, for sure. Oh, I, you, right. Yeah, you can be my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> Again, give me some loose. advice. Not, not uh, right. But um, uh, okay, let's let's do this. Let's uh, let's take a break. All right, Nuke, let's okay. check out Dorian. I'm going to put you on hold, okay. and then we'll um, we'll come back. Okay. Thanks so much, Carrie. I will stay on the line. Okay, hold on. All right, everyone, Nuke from Motograder, and we're going to check out their hit single, Dorian. It is out right now. It is in the top 30 on the Billboard uh, Indicator Rock Chart, so it's it's doing great. And as I mentioned in the beginning of the show that the album will be coming out on August. It's a full-length album. It's called Desolation, and it is phenomenal. So here we go. Let's check out Dorian, and we'll be back in a moment.
All right, everyone, welcome back to the Carrie Edelman Show again. Dorian by Moto Grader, just a phenomenal song off of Desolation. Can't get enough of that track. So let's bring uh, Nuke back on, and uh, we'll start wrapping up the interview in a little bit. All right, Nuke, awesome song. Thank you so much. Yeah, really great track for the first single to release. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's phenomenal. Hey, I'm glad you really like it. Really cool. Yeah, and real quick, I just want to throw in there a couple of my other favorites personally are um, Leading Through is great. I mean, I know it's a little bit of a slower song, but I just I love that track. Um, awesome. Victim, yeah, Victim's great. Parasite I like and uh, Daggers too. Again, just a few. They're all great, but I don't want to say every song because then it sounds, you know, too cliche. But uh, those that's are some awesome. of my I'm favorite. glad you like Leading Through. That's, uh, that's, that's a favorite of mine as well. Actually. Yeah, yeah, it's a great one, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I like a lot of melodic, hard rock, you know what I mean? So that one definitely sat well with me. Um, so let's do this. Tell us, how did you guys get uh, Jane, um, what's it called? Sorry, again, it's been a long day. Let me look at my notes here. Yeah, James Legion. So let's talk about, you know, the transition of bringing him in and uh, talk a little bit about the album. Well, you know, James is the final piece, basically. Um, you know, Mo- Motivator's gone through some different um, lineup changes, um, mm-hmm. uh, and just you know, it's it's kind of been a revolving door. You know, we had a re- we had a different singer after Ivan. You know, Ivan replaced Zach. Um, right, and you know we 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 found some success actually uh, when I kind of resurrected the band, um, and when I when I got our current bass player Mylan, and when her, him and I started to work together, things were great. But um, it wasn't until we got Noah that mm-hmm. that's what we needed. It was a was a drummer of like a world class caliber drummer and when we got Noah things started to further fall into place um, and we actually ended up playing Not Fest um, I, I don't know if that was in 2014 I, I can't remember but mm-hmm. um, it was after that gig that we decided that we had to change singers and um, even if it meant the death of the band and all that we had worked for and all the years and, you know, the hours, the, the sure. just everything, you know, that goes into trying to make a dream happen. You know, we were, we were ready to, to call it quits. And, um, and, you know, <laughs> on YouTube trying to find vocalists, just, oh, it was, it was a bad deal and it, and it was, it was pretty destitute. And then, we came across this guy, James Legion. I actually uh, called a friend of mine, um, Michael Kid Stewart, in North Carolina and just asked him one day after I got off work. I was pouring concrete, pumping concrete okay. in the middle of the summer, and um motor grader was getting ready to end, you know, and I, I called this guy and asked him if he'd do any singers just randomly, and he's like, there's this guy. Mm-hmm. You know this guy Legion. He, you should check him out. And um, turns out we we were going to try him out as a, as a background vocalist and and auxiliary drummer. 
for one of okay. our tours. So I had kind of met him before. But as soon as I saw him and, and heard his vocals, I just freaked out and I called him. And I, I, I called his work, actually. He was delivering pizza. <laughs> At, okay. I can't remember the name of the pizza joint, but in North Carolina, and I got a hold of him, and I said, "Dude," <laughs> <laughs> and I sent him. We sent him some uh, demo of a song that ended up being "Portrait of Decay." Yeah. And I, I tell you, it was some of the low. You know, that was a low point in my life. I can remember being at my sister's house and going through a really bad breakup, and. Um, you know, I, I, I just just feeling low as, as low. I, I, you know, you know that feeling. And the, and I remember I got a an email from James, and there was that song. And I remember listening to that, and I knew, you know, that we had something. And you know, fast forward, and here I am talking to you, and this record's coming out. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. It's a dream. It's a physical. It's like a dream come true you uh, it's it's hard to describe you know it's pretty great no i think it's a i think yeah i think it's like again you've you guys have worked so hard and you've had so many challenges and roadblocks and you know you've overcome so much along the way so i think it's it's bittersweet in some ways but it's just so surreal and you guys deserve every bit of it i mean it's awesome that it's coming you know it's that's that's great you know it's, try to sit in the moment for a minute and just and just absorb it and enjoy it because it's, it's, it's an amazing album. You guys did just a phenomenal job with it. Thank you so much. I'm so proud of it. It's nice to hear those, the kind words. I You know, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's great. And it's interesting because I've been, you know, as I've been listening more and more to music, I am getting into more of interested in the techno, technical aspect of, you know, the mixing and stuff like that. And some stuff I hear and I'm just like, God, why did they put that person's vocals higher in the mix? Why are they buried? I just I cringe sometimes. I'm like, not with you guys. I think it's just, right. I think it's perfect. I mean, I think it's gritty where it needs to be. I think it's polished at points. You know what I mean? I, the vocals are great. You can hear what he's saying. It's not like it's buried and all distorted. So, no, I, I think that all the people and you work with some amazing people um, on this album to produce and mix it did a, a, a wonderful job. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's great. Thank you. Yeah, we're. Yeah. I mean, and I, yeah. There's the, it's it far exceeded my expectations, and uh, and I really can't wait, you know, to work on the next one because that that'll be the first one where we're we're approaching it like a band instead of, you know, sending right. tracks off to North Carolina and recording everything separately. I, you know, I'm looking forward to sure. getting in a house like we did with the first Motivator record and and, uh, and getting all those creative juices flowing. But for now, we'll tour and and uh, enjoy this one. And uh, but you know, still looking forward to what what's to come for Motivator. What you know, I, I got my fingers crossed for sure. Definitely. And a couple of quick things I want to pull in, and then we'll talk a little sure. bit about the upcoming tour. Um, just pulling a little bit of history with, with the tribal artwork and the paint, and I'm curious to know, you know, how did that all get started? How long does it take to put on? Is, is this something that you have to do on each other? I mean, just give us a little right. background. I'm curious to know about, yeah, the, okay, the tribal well, paint. The whole paint thing started with Joey Shavonsky, who um, – is one of the founding fathers of Motocrator. Uh, 
Okay. And just a great, super creative, super quirky, rad guy. He's basically like a he's like a surgeon's assistant now, but he's like as close wow. to a doctor as you can be. He like cuts people's he amputates foot, people's feet. You know, he's just mm-hmm. Joey's a really super interesting, super smart cat. And uh, Joey started the whole thing by dousing himself with baby powder. So it started with baby powder. It was like baby oh, powder. They started like blacking their eyes out. So it was like white with these black like eye sockets. And then it just kind of evolved from there. It, you know, went to, mm-hmm. to tempura paint. And um, those guys basically perfected that, you know. And uh, that was already a thing when I joined the band. Um, so, I, you know, I didn't have anything to do with the image of course i'm carrying on the tradition i i just i was the person that introduced like the songs um and that kind of helped push the band beyond what it was but the tribal paint thing is interesting because you know it it takes about it it takes about a good hour if you want to be completely Mm -hmm. dry and and you do because otherwise the paint will stick and run and do weird stuff. But we get together and we put the first layer on, you know, you try to, you'll have someone get your back and uh, and, wow. you, and you let that dry and then you do the second layer and uh, yeah, we're do, doing each other and um, you know, it's, just, it's a full paint, you know, it's, it's a full, <laughs> like, uh, um, Preparation. Who's the Who is the weird uh, abstract artist that oh, is so um, famous? Um, Dolly. Uh, what's that? Dolly. No, Dolly was no. the more weird character. Yeah, he did he all the splatter the art. Yeah. Who did all the splatter know. art? Yeah, I can't think oh, right I can't now. Think of his name. <laughs> well, anyways, it's kind of like you know, just a full paint party and. Um, once that's dry and you're getting ready to go on stage, it's interesting. When you put the paint on and all the nerves go away, um, it's just like this protective blanket, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you cool. look a lot. It, it, it puts you, it definitely puts you in a certain headspace, you know, to kind of go out there and, and, um, and you know, and really throw down, at least it always has for me. And it's an interesting thing. The funny thing is a lot of people talk, you know, talk about how long does it take to, you know, put on and how, you know, what, blah, 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 what kind of paint do you use? But right. the more pressing question for me is does the sink have hot water? Right. <laughs> because ultimately that's where I'll be is dunking my head in the sink, you know, with that pink right. soap trying to get this stuff off my skin before it starts to flake and itch, you know. Right, so, right. The wow. the things oh, we do for rock and roll, right? Yeah. And what's um what's the symbolism of them you guys incorporating red now? Only the singer incorporates some red. Well, you know, right. we've started to put you know, a little bit of red in and that's just um that's just kind of signifying the mm-hmm. this new album. We're we're throwing a little bit of we're just changing it up a little bit. It's a little bit, okay. you know, kind of a aggressive war thing, you know, and the album's mm-hmm. kind of red, 
you know, the colors yeah. in the album. So it fits. So, yeah. Cool. I like how and it looks. Your, Go ahead. Yeah, no, definitely. And just to pull in, I definitely want to, you know, have you just make a comment about uh, Mr. Sam Sheeran, who did the, the artwork and has just a phenomenal resume of, you know, different comic books and graphic novels that he's done. Yeah, tell us just a little bit about the artwork that he did. Mr. Sam Sheeran is the man. I mean, the guy <laughs> is, you know, Noah originally contacted him and just was, that was kind of like a shot in the dark. Will you please do our art, you know? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, for, you know, $20,000 or whatever. Oh We're like, God. yeah, well, we don't have any money, but... <laughs> <laughs> but he was—he worked with us, and he was a big Moto Grader fan. Um, cool. And and so we really got lucky with him because there's something about that artwork. It's just—it's perfect, you know. And uh, just how, how how everything came together, I couldn't be more happy. Um, a complete different story than the first album, you know, which we. We didn't even have any control over that. It was just there. Here's mm-hmm. your record. <laughs> oh, thanks. Right. You know, um, and we were. You know, it was nice to be more involved artistically and and have someone and and just you know it just turned out perfect. So I, I couldn't be happier. That guy is, you know, he's the shit. You know. Um, yeah, that's cool. I can't wait to. We need to get a huge like banner of that artwork. Mm-hmm. For the tour, um, that's going to cost a few. It's going to cost a pretty penny, but we need it. Right, right. No, that's great. So where, um, I know you guys start the, start the tour on September 19th, and it's going to go for a couple of months. Can you reveal any of the bands on the lineup or not yet? It's still kind of quiet. You know, no, I I, I believe that it, it's going to be just us headlining. Um, okay. So wherever we go, we'll be playing with, Local bands opening local for bands. us. Okay, cool. I'm sure cool. that we'll be doing other shows with you know um, along the way with you know people that are right. known. But for the most part, it's us headlining. We're not going to have a band buy on or you know okay. um, that way. You give the locals that are, that work hard and are coming up and that have you know attained a following. Those guys. They need their shot too, you know what I mean? I Definitely. I always like it better um, rather than having a band pay us five thousand dollars to go open a bunch of shows. No one knows who they are. It's good exposure for them, but the local scene, you know, takes a hit when you do that. So, right. Um, I'm looking forward to being being a headliner after being a support act for the last four tours. You know, with Dope, American Hedge, and uh, right. We went out twice with Head PE. Um, nice. And so it's going to be nice to be able to play a longer set, you know. That'll be great. Yeah. No, I think that that's great. I mean, it's a great way to frame it, like you said, in terms of giving some local bands, and you know, you've been there, um, that opportunity oh, yeah. to yeah to get on the bill and and open for someone like you guys. So that's that's awesome. Really cool. Yeah. yeah so why don't we do this? Why don't you um plug some of the social media sites and where people can find you nuke and um then we'll start wrapping things up but again your 
always welcome back on when you guys have some new stuff coming out in the future. I don't know if we could top this interview. I don't even know if I could interview you again, to be honest with you. <laughs> have me on but, again, um, we'll chat. Yeah. Yeah, this but, has been it's been a pleasure. The feelings reciprocal, darling. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> So, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, plug some. Plug um, you some. can check us out at, uh, you know, on Facebook slash forward slash MotoGrader. Um, I'm not sure if we're, we're really active on our Twitter page, but I, I think we have a uh, uh, an Instagram. And, and mm-hmm. so, you know, hit us up for sure and, and keep your ears and eyes open because we're coming to a town near you. Come hang out and, uh, and let's party. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Nuke, for coming on. I wish you guys much success with this album. It's a, it's a great album. I think it's an amazing start for, you know, the new revamping of, of MotoGrader and where you guys are going. And, um, yeah, definitely keep in touch. As I said, I'll, I'll send you some information, and hopefully we can uh, definitely talk off the air. All right? Awesome. Yeah, right. It, it, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Karen. Appreciate it. Yeah. And if you can, please, um, I'll send you the link, promote the, uh, the podcast. So if anyone didn't tune in, in a, within the next half hour, the podcast will be available. People can download it off of iTunes or my site for free. Sounds great. That's awesome. All right. Thank you so much. All right, much. Carrie, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Right, Have a bye great bye. night. Bye-bye. Woo. <laughs> All right, everyone. Nuke from Moto Grader, and what an interview. Uh, this guy revealed so much history on the band and how they got to where they are today and this new journey that they're taking with this amazing new album titled Desolation, which is out on August 11th. So definitely check it out. Dorian is currently spinning on radio stations. And as I mentioned, it's already in the top 30 on the Billboard Rock Indicator charts. So thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Um, Please follow me at uh, Carrie Edelman on Instagram and on Twitter. I just joined Instagram, so I'm getting up and running with that and learning this uh, newer social media site that's been around for a while, but I had, for whatever reason, not joined it. And also follow me on um, Carrie Edelman Show, like it on Facebook, and that's where I have all my upcoming shows and events. And if you want to befriend me on Facebook, um, you can find me there too. So thank you so much for tuning in tonight, everyone. And again, please support all these amazing artists, bands, comedians that I have on my show. I really take you on a different journey and a unique angle to my interviews to really get, get you some interesting history. Um, it's not a cookie-cutter interview, and I think you'll really enjoy each individual that I do have on my show and, and their life story. Thanks so much for tuning in, and have a great night.